Before we move into the sermon time, I just would like to thank all of you for your care for me during the time of my father's death and his funeral this past Friday. This congregation has been so good to me, and I really have felt your prayers and your support. You have uh, lifted me up during a difficult time, and it uh, is beautiful for me to celebrate Baptism of Jesus Sunday with you, uh, reflecting on the community that we share as the body of Christ and how you've really offered that to me in this time. So thank you all very much. And now we move into the scripture for today, which is the gospel according to Matthew, chapter 3, verses 13 through 17. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. John would have prevented this, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, let it be so now, for this is fitting for me to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented, and when Jesus was baptized, he went up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him, and lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. This is the word of God for all of us. Thanks be to God. I ask you please to pray with me. May the words that I say and the reflections that go through all of our minds, may they give you pleasure, God, you who are our rock, you who save us. Amen. Sometimes in life, we just wish we were exempt from something or we see a privilege that someone else has and we think, boy, I would like that. I think about that when I'm in the airport getting ready to fly and I'm at the end of a very long security line and someone else has that TSA pre-check or I'm not sure what's the right language for that, but they just zip right through and I sit there and I'm jealous. <laughs> I'm thinking, God, why do I have to go through this? And they get to just zip on through. Or I remember when I was in college, I went to a very small um, public high school in New Jersey and we had honors classes, but we didn't have AP classes, advanced placement. I got to college, and there were all these students there who'd gone to schools that had AP classes, and they just went straight past a lot of college requirements because they'd had AP credits. And I had to take all the intro classes, and I was like, Carl, how did that happen? I want that. There are situations in life, a lot of them, where there's a kind of privilege and the things you don't have to do because of the privilege you have. And many of the rest of us don't have that privilege and we watch over there and we think, huh, what would that be like? Today, in the baptism of Jesus, we hear a story where there was an assumption that Jesus would have a privilege, that he would not do something the others were doing because he wouldn't need to. And instead, Jesus said, oh no, I'm not receiving that privilege. I'm not observing that privilege. I'm just like you, and I'm going with you. So I want to reflect with you on the baptism that John offered, what happened when Jesus came for baptism, what that teaches us about who God is, and then finally, what that means for us as we reflect on our own baptisms. John was a devout Jew, 
and he was someone considered a prophet who would teach a kind of striking and re-energized view of the Judaism of his day. And John had begun to gather people because he believed that the people needed to repent. They needed to change their lives and turn around. And rather than finding that an unattractive message, people felt that need. They, they needed their lives to be changed. They needed to feel forgiven of their sins. And so crowds were coming from all over the area to go down to the Jordan River to be baptized by John. And it was a baptism of forgiveness of sins. So all these people are crowding around John, and John is beginning to become quite popular with this. And then Jesus of Nazareth comes down to John at the Jordan. In our Christian tradition, we believe that Jesus was without sin. So the assumption would be, why, why would Jesus need to be baptized? And the Gospel of Matthew tells us that John was really uncomfortable with this. Jesus came for baptism, and John said, look, I should be being baptized by you. You, you shouldn't be coming to me for baptism. I, I mean... And Jesus responded, no, we need to do this. It is necessary for all righteousness. Now, that kind of language doesn't say much to me. Think of it instead as this is what's necessary. This is what God's doing to make things right. This is what needs to happen for the rightness of God's desires for the world. And so Jesus, rather than saying, oh, that doesn't apply to me, I've got the easy pass, I've got the express lane, I don't need to do this, Jesus came and was baptized by John, just like all the people around him. Jesus was being one of us. In that moment, then, as he came out of the water, the heavens opened, and a dove, the Holy Spirit, alighted on him like a dove. And a voice said that would clearly be audible to other people, this is my son, the beloved, with whom I am well pleased. We learned that Jesus is beloved. We learned that Jesus received spiritual gifts, and it was a foreshadowing of what God would do in our own baptisms in our own baptisms, we are claimed by God, and we are named beloved no matter what. We are beloved by God, and we're given spiritual gifts, which are how God is going to work through us for the saving of the world. Jesus was foreshadowing what would be happening to others as they were baptized, but he was also saying something powerful about what God was doing in himself, in Jesus, the God who is saying Every part of this human experience, I'm going to do. There's no part of this human experience I'm going to hold back from or consider myself exempt. Had we imagined something as crazy as a human, as God coming to earth in human form, we would have assumed that that God coming to earth in human form would have skipped a lot of the icky parts. <laughs> and what we find is instead, Jesus did everything. Jesus came for baptism with John, and Jesus experienced the wonderful experiences of human life. He had dear friends and community gathered, and he liked feasts and parties, and there were some wonderful times in Jesus' life. But we also know that Jesus suffered a lot, and we know that the more popular Jesus became, the more opposition gathered around him, and religious leaders started 
questioning him and, and trying to trip him up with tricky questions and kind of poking at him. And it became clear to Jesus that his path was the path of suffering. And he started telling people that, I'm, I'm going to be suffering. And the people around him are like, oh, no, you don't suffer. Jesus, no, I'm going to suffer. And he went down, he set his face to Jerusalem, and he entered Jerusalem on a humble donkey. And the crowds gathered, but Jesus knew, yeah, you're cheering for me now, but the day will come that you'll turn against me. And the crowds that had cheered for him on that Palm Sunday became the crowds that turned against him and said, crucify him. Jesus held back from nothing of the human experience so that Jesus was opposed and then accused and tried and tortured and nailed to a cross and died. There is nothing that God held back from saying, oh no, I don't have to do that. God endured it all in the person of Jesus to go that far to show God's love for each of us. We are beloved and there is nothing in our lives, there's nothing we've done that is beyond God's love and cleaning and redeeming care. Now, in our human love, more often there are limits. We just celebrated uh, my father's life, and I was thinking about this because my father had some limits. He loved his grandsons. My father, or my father, my brother has two boys, Jeff and Steve, whom I adore, and when they were little, Dad would sometimes change their diapers if their diapers were wet. Notice the difference. <laughs> a wet diaper, Dad might change. But if the diaper was more than wet, oh no. And I can remember times that Dad was off at the changing table and all of a sudden you'd hear, Mare, which is Dad's nickname for my mother, Mary, Mare. And when you heard Mare from Dad changing, it meant, oh, it's a dirty diaper and Dad's done. So it became a kind of running joke in our families, grandpa doesn't do poopies. So a wet diaper he would do, but once it was a really dirty, messy diaper, yeah, then it was my mom's job. There were limits to his love. We joke about grandpa not doing poopies, but we have areas where we want to love to this level, but not beyond it. We want to love the fun part, but we may not want to go into the suffering we may not want to deal with the icky, smelly, awful parts. Isn't it amazing? How do we take it in that Jesus loves us and Jesus doesn't hold back from any aspect of our lives? Or to put it rather crudely, God does poopies. <laughs> you know, there is nothing in our lives that God is going to say, oh no, I'm not dealing with that problem. I'm not dealing with that sin. I'm not dealing with that set of emotions. God is never holding back from us. God's like, yep, I'll do it all. I'll go any place with you. I will be with you to redeem you no matter what. This is the gift that Jesus gave. When he went to John for baptism, he was signaling something profound that, of course, the people couldn't understand at the time. He was letting them know that, no, I do it all. I don't go through the express lane. I don't claim my divine privilege. I do it all, and it starts with my baptism and in his baptism, he was named and claimed and showing us that in our time, we would be named and claimed, not divine in exactly the way that Jesus was divine, but that we would be lifted up and claimed by God and given spiritual gifts so that we would be co-ministers along with Jesus and all our fellow Christians 
as part of God's work in redeeming the world. What a gift it is to know ourselves baptized, to know that we are beloved of a God who doesn't hold back, to know that having received that kind of love from God, we can go out in a loving way to go out and to offer and to stand with people in their most difficult times. Having known ourselves redeemed and beloved by God, no matter what, we can love others in that same grace and truth. Thanks be to God, who does not hold back, who loves us no matter what, who invites us to be a Christian community of fellowship and love, offering that same love beyond our boundaries, beyond our comfort, beyond what is easy for us, a love that doesn't let go. Thanks be to God. Amen. As we move into this time of the renewal of our baptismal vows, um, I want to just offer a couple of words of explanation. First, um, if you have not been baptized, this service does not baptize you, so I don't want anyone who's not been baptized to feel uncomfortable like we're, pull we're pulling some kind of thing. If you would like to be baptized and haven't been, please talk to Scott or me, and we'd be happy to prepare you for your baptism. Also, in the United Methodist tradition, we do not rebaptize. Baptism is a once, once and for all time of God claiming it's not something that we repeat. So today we are not rebaptizing, we are renewing our baptismal vows. We are remembering what God has done in us and through us and for us. We're giving thanks and we're going out refreshed for ministry, but we're not, um, we're not repeating something that God did once and for all. We'll be using the baptismal covenant for all the words that you need are up on the screen, but if you prefer to look in your hymnal, we're beginning on page 50. And so, brothers and sisters in Christ through the sacrament of baptism, we are initiated into Christ's holy church. We are incorporated into God's mighty acts of salvation and given new birth through water and the spirit. All this is God's gift offered to us without price. Through the reaffirmation of our faith, we renew the covenant declared at our baptism. We acknowledge what God is doing for us, and we affirm our commitment to Christ's holy church. And so I invite you to renounce your sin, and I will renounce mine, and profess our faith. On behalf of the whole church, I ask you, do you renounce the spiritual forces of wickedness, Reject the evil powers of this world and repent of your sin. I do. Do you accept the freedom and power God gives you to resist evil, injustice, and oppression in whatever forms they present themselves? I, I do. do. Do you confess Jesus Christ as your Savior, put your whole trust in his grace, and promise to serve him as your Lord in union with the church, which Christ has opened to people of all ages nations, and races. I do. I do. According to the grace given to you, will you remain faithful members of Christ's holy church and serve as Christ's representatives in the world? I will. I will. And let us now join together in professing the Christian faith as contained in the scriptures of the Old and New Testaments. Let us rise. Do you believe in God the Father? I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. Do you believe in Jesus Christ? I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, 
suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven, is seated at the right hand of the Father, and will come again to judge the living and the dead. Do you believe in the Holy Spirit? I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated.